Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Chaldean News Radio Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Omar Binu. Joining us today is a very interesting uh, individual who's had a, a pretty unique, uh, some pretty unique experiences uh, at such a young age. Uh, it, who is, uh, he has served as legal uh, advisor for WXYZ. He graduated with his uh, Doctor of Jurisdiction degree from Ohio State University. And he's also now an adjunct professor for Rochester University as well. That's just uh, some of his many accomplishments at age 31. Uh, and he is also running for uh, the position of judge in November, Clarence Das. Clarence, welcome to the show. Omar, it's great to be with you, especially in this time of social distancing. This is a great way to communicate and to spread news to people. So you're doing a great job, and I appreciate you having me. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks for being here. So what, what inspired you to, and I know you were also involved with, uh, with the uh, whole deportation issue back in, which, you know, started in 2017, but what inspired you to get involved with law? Was it always a calling of yours? Yeah. You know, I really think that everyone has a talent and everyone is called to something, even though we may not realize it until later in life. I realized it really early, actually it was in high school that I realized it right around September 11th, where everyone in my family is actually in the science field. And I was kind of growing up thinking and feeling, you know, pressured sometimes to go into the science field because I felt like that was what I should do. But there was always something inside of me that was telling me that you have a different talent, you have a different skill, you have a different ability to help other people. And when September 11th happened, I saw there was a, a huge need for young people to step up and be better examples for the world, be better examples for our country, and to protect people. So I really started looking into the law. I looked into law school, and then I started moving down that path, and, and here we are. Excellent. So, and I also know that you, you, um, you battled uh, colon cancer uh, back in 2017. That was about three years ago. Um, and, you know, definitely uh, your tenacity is, is definitely uh, respectable and, and appreciated. I mean, you know, I, I know I've had cousins, my mom, uh, other family members and friends who have all uh, unfortunately lost their battle with cancer. So you at a young age and, uh, and being a survivor and also continuing your work while you were battling the disease, uh, it's, it's very you know, very commendable and very inspiring. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I appreciate you saying that. And I always tell people that, you know, I don't look for, you know, credit for it. It's not something I asked for. It's not something I asked to do. But when God gives you your cross and each one of us carries a cross, you have no choice but to carry it. And to give you some context in 2017, I was 31. I'm 34 now. But at 31, I had just left five years as an Oakland County prosecutor. I had a very stable job that I left. I had just gone on one date with the person that's now my wife. I had no clients. I had just started my law firm. And when I was presented with this news, the question in my mind was, do I just give up now? Do I just put everything aside and say, you know what, that's the end of my life? Or do I define that disease and, and make it my own and do what I need to do? So literally, I, I prayed. I talked to my family. 
And I woke up the day after I got this news and I said, you know what? I'm not going to stop the way I live. I'm going to do everything that I always wanted to do and I'm going to keep living. And so we literally put on the suit. I put on my tie. I went to court. I went out with my girlfriend, who's now my wife. I started representing a lot of these people who were getting deported. And I mean, I was going on the news sometimes, literally from the hospital. And, and a lot of people don't you know, realize that, but I was literally sometimes doing radio interviews from the hospital because that was the only thing I knew that was going to keep me alive. It's me fighting for people, doing the things I love to do and, and serving my passion. And that's, that's really in a lot of ways, what kept me alive. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, you know, in cases like that, uh, I would imagine it probably helped a little bit, keep your sanity too, you know, cause yeah, I, mean, I think half the battle, yeah, I think half the battle is the medicine and half the battle is your mindset. And I always tell people that, Absolutely. And Omar, you just mentioned people that you know, you've been through things, I've been through things, we've all been through things, and, it's, mm -hmm. and there's a prayer that I always refer people to called the serenity prayer, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Yep. There are things we can change and things we can't change. And if we focus on the things we can't change, we're going to be unhappy forever. You need to focus on what you can do and not what you can't do. Yeah, great words. And, and, you know, and again, I think when we focus on what we cannot change, uh, again, and I know this, this might sound harsh, but it's the truth. I think it starts to, it starts to eat away at our very sanity. I mean, because you, you drive yourself crazy just by thinking about that stuff. Absolutely. In fact, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. If <laughs> yeah. I can't change, yeah, right. If I can't change that I had cancer, I'm going to change the way I react to it. If I can't change the fact that someone passed away, I'm going to change the way that I look at that person. There's, there's all things we can do in life to change the, our vision and our mindset. And that is half of our battle is just getting into the right mindset. So what, um, you know, you're, you're running for judge later this year, uh, which county and district and what motivated you to do that? Well, it's Oakland County and it's for the Oakland County circuit court, which covers all of Oakland County. So I always tell people, if you live in Oakland County, you can vote for me in November. Um, what inspired me to do it was really a lot of things we've been talking about just now, but there's two other parts to it. First, I was a prosecutor for five years. I saw some of the most horrific things that humans will do to each other. I was in the special victims unit. So I was prosecuting people who were convicted of rape, who were murdering, who were abusing children, who were sure. abusing the elderly. Mm -hmm. I saw some really, really bad things. And then I started realizing that you know, while certain people need to be punished, there's a lot of people out there that need help. People who have mental health issues, people who have alcohol addictions, drug addictions, even in our own community, Omar, there's a lot of people I was prosecuting that are in our own Chaldean community that I knew uh, had significant problems. Oh yeah. So I left in, 20, in 2017 and I started a law firm and obviously the experience we just talked about happened too. And I started realizing that every single person needs a voice. Every single person needs a chance to explain himself or herself. And the only person that's going to be able to listen to you is a judge. The only person that can make a decision about your life in the court is a judge. So now that I've been blessed with 10 years of experience, five years as a prosecutor, five years as a defense attorney, now that I've been blessed with a second chance at life, I want to be able to give back to help people in the way that I've learned and to make people's lives better in every way possible. And that for me starts in Oakland County where I was, where I've lived my entire life. That's great. Um, so are you, are you anticipating, a, a you know, are you building up a, a good solid campaign? Um, 
you know, for when it comes time for people to vote? Absolutely. So I, my campaign manager is one of the best in Oakland County. He's done, you know, judicial races for the past 40 or 50 years. We have probably over 100 to 150 volunteers right now who are circulating petitions for us to get signatures, both within our community and outside of our community. I've gotten endorsements from over 40 judges, including the Chief Justice of the Michigan Supreme Court and the Chief Judge of the Family Division in Oakland County and the incumbent who is the person retiring. So I've really gotten overwhelming support. And now it's just a matter of talking to people. There's 1.2 million people in Oakland County talking to people and letting them know who I am and why I'm running. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's really great uh, to see, um, you know, guys like yourself from the community getting involved uh, in politics or, you know, these kind of legal, you know, going for a judge or whatnot, these different uh, legal offices and politics. I think it's great. You know, I think we've expanded our horizons and, uh, you know, you're, you're obviously one of the, uh, you know, testaments to that. Well, I appreciate that. I always think that each, we always are standing on the shoulders of the people came before us. And there are a lot of great people that came before us. You know, my dad was involved in politics. There's a lot of people that were involved in politics and it takes time for all of our generations to get somewhere, but we've had a lot of great people run for office. Um, many of whom have won, many of whom are in office right now. And I just think that we need to reflect our community to the world and let people know that we are not just a part of the community, but we are a, we are a vibrant part of the community. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, I, I, again, I have to, I want to touch upon your, your battle because of, you know, my own personal uh, experiences. And I think it's, it's, what you went through would definitely be a great inspiration uh, to those going through something similar like this. Um, you obviously kept fighting while you were fighting this, you know, the personal, you know, the cancer, you kept on working at whatnot. How was that? I mean, that had to have been tough, man. Well, it was, it was very tough. And, you know, half the battle was with each round of treatment, you know, I was doing 12 rounds of chemotherapy for 11 months I was doing five weeks of radiation every single day, five days a week. Um, And then I did a big surgery. Every time you get hit with medicine, every time you get hit with treatment, you get more and more tired. And and as each day would go on, I'd get more and more tired. But then what would happen is I would keep challenging myself and I would keep finding new ways to uh, keep my mind occupied. So for example, the the deportation cases, that, that took a huge chunk of my time where I was going oftentimes to ICE headquarters. I went down to Youngstown, Ohio at one point. I was speaking to people. That took time. I got engaged. I was planning a wedding. That took my time away. We were sitting and going meeting with a wedding planner. We were going to pick out flowers and we were going to pick out all these things. And then, you know, I'll tell you, my family played a big part in it because they wouldn't let me necessarily make excuses. If there was a day I felt tired, my, my parents would say, get up, we're going to go to dinner. If there was a day where I didn't feel like going out, my wife would say, you know what? put on your jeans, we're going out tonight. And there were things that kept me moving and kept me pushing. It wasn't easy, but it was manageable. And, you know, at a certain point, you're so deep into it, you're not going to give up. And that's what I, that's what I did. Yeah. Cause I would imagine, I mean, there had to have been times where you, you know, were tempted to give up or just, you kind of woke up and were like, man, screw this stuff. You know, I can't, I can't deal with it, you know? And, but, but obviously you, you kept pushing through and uh, here you are, you know, Four, three years later, and you're uh, about to run for 
Oakland County uh, Circuit Court judge. So, I mean, that's, that's great. And I know, I know you're not looking for that kind of credit, um, but it, it's, it's just very important, I think, for people who are struggling with their own battles and stuff to hear stories like this. Because, again, I think they're very inspirational. Um, and, you know, we, we all need to hear things like that in order to give ourselves a kick in the ass, as to, you know, so to say. Yeah, every single person, and you know this as well as I do, everyone is going through something. Everyone listening right now, everyone at home, especially right now with what we're dealing with, it's an amazing testament to what happens when we slow down and we realize how important family is and how important our health is and how important life is. Everyone's going through something. Some people are going through, I just had someone text me last night saying that their mom passed away. Everyone is dealing with something. If mm-hmm. I can give hope to at least one person every day to say, you know what, that guy went through something and look at him now. He's still here. He's still doing it. He's still fighting. Then, then the, mission, the whole mission has been accomplished for me. Amen. Uh, you know, because, and again, I think what, what's pretty important to note is that you were, your career was just in its, was in its infancy when you got hit with this. So that's another uh, I don't want to say obstacle, but it was an obstacle. You know, it was, it was, Absolutely. A, it was a huge Absolutely. factor. I had no clients. Omar, I had no clients. I had no staff. I had no one to be able to help me. And I, I, I had to adjust and adapt as we always do to every circumstance. Every challenge to me is not a setback. It's an opportunity to grow. So every time something happens, I learn from it and I don't, I, I don't complain about it. I move on and I do what I do what I need to do to keep going. And, you know, I, I do, I do plan on supporting you, uh, in your run as judge, you know, I, you definitely have my vote and, you know, I will push, uh, for others to do the same in any way I can. What are your, what are some of your, you know, goals if, for when you do, uh, become judge? Well, I really appreciate that Omar and your family has been a great friend to me too. And, and to my family, you know, one of the things I, I really care about deeply is, um, and I mentioned it earlier, is getting help for people instead of just punishing them. So there are some people that I said need to go to jail and they will end up going to jail because there's, they, they've done things that just cannot be uh, treated in, in some cases. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the majority of people in the justice system can be treated. And, and if, we, if we have a mental health problem, I'd rather as a judge sentence them to mental health treatment as opposed to jail. If someone has an alcohol addiction, I'd rather get them into a rehab program rather than sending them to jail. If someone is addicted to opioids, and these are issues that you've been talking about, Omar, you've been talking about these issues for a long time Mm -hmm. in our community. I want to be able to get these people help. So as a judge, I have those tools at my disposal. One of the big changes I want to see is getting people help, not just punishment. Give punishment where punishment is due, but get people help at the same time. I agree. And you know, you having said that, I think that mental health is very undervalued and underused uh, in our in our entire country, and by you know, especially uh, within the community, because you know, for so long it's been so taboo. People are like, "Well, if I start mental therapy, it's a sign of weakness." When it's actually the opposite, you're acknowledging your faults and your weaknesses, and you're trying to address those. Exactly. Every single person, uh, by the way, struggles at some point with some type of mental health. And whether it's diagnosed or not, everyone at some point deals with something in their life or in their family's life. So, you know, we, I know as a community, we sometimes shy away from talking about illness and hurt and things like that. But if we talk about it, it's just like any other disease anyone has, then we let that person know it's okay to get help. And then when we start doing that, 
we have one less criminal on the street. We have one less person getting divorced. We have one less person getting in trouble for something because now we're addressing their problem. And you know, it's funny you said that because uh, uh, Father Patrick Situ and I were talking one time. Um, and you know, this is when he's not singing with Josh Groban, I'm assuming <laughs> he's not in concert. I'm assuming he was used. This is downtime. Right. It was about, yeah, this was probably about a year and a half ago. Uh, maybe a year, about a year, year and a half, something like that. And, and he said, you know, he said it himself and I completely agree with it. He said, Omar, I believe that everyone at some point in their life should do some therapy. And yeah, I, it, I it's something. It's, it's just a matter of talking to people. You know, talking to someone sometimes helps. It's why we often go to our religious leaders, priests, pastors. We go to these people because we just want to talk to them. Isn't that mental health counseling? That's that's opening up to somebody and Absolutely. sharing our problems and letting them talk us out of them. Absolutely, I completely agree. Clarence, it's been great having you on here. Uh, again, on, on behalf of the Chaldean News and myself, uh, I would definitely want to wish you luck, uh, the best of luck in your upcoming uh, run in November. Thank you, Omar. Thanks for all you do, too. Thank you.